Hey guys, welcome back to the RBC Pulpit Podcast. This is your host, Tony Amos. And if you haven't noticed, our podcast has been on hiatus for the last few weeks. There's a very good reason for that. We have had some issues with our recording equipment in our worship center. And uh, we had assumed that we were recording our sermons. However, when we got to convert those files to a MP3 so we could download them into the platform you're listening on this podcast, we had no data inside those MP3, so there was no audio. So we're going to start back here with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as Pastor Russ is going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Now this series in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is going to take a few weeks. You're going to have to buckle up for this one. This week, we're kind of going to go over things and do a kind of an overview of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in the first few verses. We will get into the specific spiritual gifts next time on the RBC Pulpit Podcast, but you'll have to wait until that comes out. So here's Pastor Rusty with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, so turn your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for a message entitled Spiritual Gifts, Part 1. We are going to be diving into spiritual gifts for, I mean, there's going to be multiple weeks because there is so much gold. I mean, all of God's word is gold, but man, we want to slow down on this part because there's so much gold there that we got to mine it and we want to apply it to our lives. We want to learn, wait, what, what is a spiritual gift? How does that all work? Well, let me kind of break it down to you like this. Imagine that Someone gave you a tool, a tool. Okay, say imagine they gave you a hammer and a saw. And the whole encouragement was, hey, take this hammer and saw and go do things with it for other people. Go do things with it. Well, think of it, spiritual gifts are the same way. The Holy Spirit has given us all a spiritual gift or gifts And we're told, take this gift and go serve the church in the name of Christ. You're going to serve your brothers and sisters with your gift. So last week, it was all about, hey, yes, you've been saved by grace through faith alone. But now, get to work. Like, get to work. You're going to do things. You're going to do works for God. Not to earn salvation, but because you are already saved, you're going to do works. So that was the encouragement last week. The Lord just pushed, pushed, pushed. Hey, we need to have good works. Now this week, the Lord is going to show us, okay, but here's how you accomplish good works. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he's given you a gift, and you're going to use that gift to bring God glory by serving the church. Okay, so this is exciting. I mean, I am so pumped up because there's so many people, I think, that are just right on the verge of jumping in, doing something awesome for God and leading us in that and serving us in that. And I want you to kind of start to look at these spiritual gifts and think, man, I wonder if that's what God has for me. Or, or maybe it's this other one. Or maybe you've got so many. Now, I heard it explained like this is imagine that you had a a paint palette and you kind of had the primary colors on there. Have you ever seen an amazing artist? Who's the guy with the... Bob Ross. Ross or Roth? Bob Ross. Okay. Did one of you, Derek, Derek, you you dressed up as Bob Ross this last uh, Halloween. Yeah, yes. 
Yes. So imagine that you've just got these uh, certain primary colors, but uh, an amazing artist can combine all those colors, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and make it a beautiful canvas. And that's kind of, think about the spiritual gifts like this, is that maybe God has a little bit of this gift for you, and he mixes it with a little bit of this gift and a little bit of this gift, and he's going to use you to do something extremely unique that only you can do. And then someone else has a little bit of maybe this color and this color, and God is going to use you to paint an amazing work for his glory. So I don't want you to think, oh, man, I only have that gift and none others. Maybe you guys kind of got a mixture of them, okay? So first, what we have to understand is we're going to go way, way, way back on how we got the Holy Spirit. So we're going to kind of trace what God has done in us with the Holy Spirit. So you think, okay, Rusty, you've lost me. Don't worry. We're, we're, we'll get there. So let's explain first the Trinity. The Trinity. We as Christians believe in the triune God. One God, three persons. One God, three persons. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One, ways, one way that you can understand this is that God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father, but yet they are one. Now, if you don't fully understand that, man, you are in the best company of all because God's ways are so above our ways. And I do not fully understand how the Trinity works, but I do know this. The scripture clearly communicates one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I've resolved, I believe it. I do not know how that works. I do not know how God works, but I'm okay with that because I don't really know how lots of things work, okay? So if I don't fully understand how our God works, I'm okay. I know that he saved me, he set me apart, and just a little bit that I do understand, I want to be obedient to. So, we have the Trinity. When we become a Christian, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So, it's not like you become a Christian and then maybe in the future you'll get the Holy Spirit. No, no. When you become a Christian, when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you are born from above and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? God, the Holy Spirit, lives within us. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Joel chapter 2, verses 20 to 29. If you could find that book before I read, I'm going to be extremely impressed. Probably someone that has a tablet, I would bet. But it's okay. If, you're not going to, if, you, if you don't want to turn there, I'm going to read it to you. So what we're, going to ha- what we're going to read is that Joel was written around, we're not exactly sure, around 835 to 796 B.C., BC okay? So long time ago, long time ago. But it was written, and I'm going to read something to you that is super exciting because what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to thread a needle through time all the way to us. So imagine there's a timeline, and I'm starting way back over here around 800 B.C. Joel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, writes this. And it'll it'll come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit 
on all flesh. Okay, remember that. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is what God is saying. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. God says he'll pour out the Holy Spirit. He'll pour it out. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there, but he, he operated differently than he operates today, okay? We know that every Christian today is empowered with the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit inside of them. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament worked differently. For the most part, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. But here he's saying he's going to pour out his Spirit, Okay, now let's thread the next needle to Matthew chapter uh, 3, verse 11. So we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he's going, he's baptizing with a baptism of repentance, meaning turning from your sin. And then he sees Jesus and he thinks, wait a minute, this is the one who I have heard about. And here's what he says. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, Joel, long time before this, over 800 years, 800 years-ish, says, hey, God, God through Joel says, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. So forward 800 years later, and then John the Baptist is saying, there's going to be one that's coming on the scene, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And now listen to Jesus' words. Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 49. So now this is Jesus talking. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. From power from on high. So now Jesus is saying, hey, there's something coming. There's power coming. John the Baptist is saying, hey, there's going to be a baptism of the Holy Spirit coming. 800 years before that, Joel is saying, hey, there's something special coming. Now sometimes, saints, we have to be patient for God's promises. I mean, think about that. Think if you're in Joel's time and you hear Joel, by the power of God, say, hey, you, the Holy Spirit is coming. He's going to be poured out. And you're thinking, man, maybe next week. Maybe in two weeks. And then 100 years passes. And you're like, okay, probably any time. 300 years pass. And then you read Joel. Your great, great, great grandpa told you know, it's passed down and passed down and passed down and, and they're reciting Joel and then 400 years goes by. Five, six, seven, 800 years goes by. And John the Baptist is repeating the same thing. Hey, there's going to be one that comes and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus is on the scene. Jesus is on the scene. 
saying it's just as a little side point. We have to be patient for God's promises. He's promised us so many things, but we have to be patient at times. So here we go. Now, turn to Acts chapter 1 as we continue to thread this needle for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. How God the Holy Spirit has worked. So I'm going to read this. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when he had come come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were there gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee! Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, here's what happened is that Jesus is saying, listen, stay here. Not not too many days from now, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit is coming. It's going to fill you. And then Jesus, in the ascension, is taken up. And they're all standing there And then these two in white robes are saying, hey, guys, listen, I understand. You know, you see him and you think, well, what's going on? And what the promise is is that Jesus will come back. Jesus will come back. It's a promise. Now, we've had to wait uh, a little bit of time. Maybe he's going to come back right now. He didn't come back right then. But maybe he's going to come back any second. He can he can come back any second. It's a promise. We saw that God made a promise in Joel, and then 800 years he, uh, later, he fulfilled it. God has made so many promises in Scripture, and time passes, and he fulfills them. He fulfills them, and he fulfills them. And here's the thing. Saints, he says this. I'm coming back. I am coming back. So no matter what is in your heart, you just think, oh, praise God, Lord. I can't wait for you to come back and set things straight. Man, you're coming back. And saints, you could put all, everything you have on that promise that he's coming back. And we want to live knowing that he's coming back. Can I get an amen? Yes, we want to live like that. We want to live like that. I think I told you guys some of these stories. When my parents would go out on a date, they would get me, my dad would come and he'd get me and he'd say, listen, son, look at me. 
I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Now, it was a little bit different because I was not the best of kids. And so it was like, hey, you better be in line because if this babysitter says you are out of line, I'm coming back and I will put you back in line. Now, what God is saying here is, hey, I'm coming back. I, will, I did not leave you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in the meantime. He's coming now, these apostles, these, uh, these, these disciples had this promise. Now they think, okay, man, he's coming. But here's the thing. Remember this, Peter. Remember, he said that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be within us. Wait, what, is that what we read in Joel? Yeah, that's what we read in Joel 800 years ago. It's getting ready to happen. Could you imagine being there and hitting your spouse? Like, could you, guess what? He's coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. It's going to be amazing. Man, what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. And then Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. Just go over a couple pages. Oh, this stuff is just amazing. It's awesome. Watch what happened. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So imagine, all, we're all here. We're all waiting for the Holy Spirit. We're waiting for this promise to happen. We're all in one place. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. So they heard this sound, this rushing wind, and then people started to come around and thinking, okay, what is happening over there? So they gather around. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So these tongues, these utterances, these are known languages, but people are speaking them and they're thinking, wait, what is going on? I hear them, but they're speaking it in my native tongue. Verse 7, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. These guys are hammered. I mean, they, so you got all these people from different areas, and you hear this big group, you hear this rushing noise, and then everyone's like, okay, what is going on over there? And they want to see. You know, have you ever had lightning just crack really loud, and you thought, man, I want to go see what just happened. You want, you're drawn to the noise. Well, some of you, others have run and are hiding under something. But I want to go see, like, what just happened. They're drawn to the noise. Things are happening. And then these guys, they're thinking, wait a minute, how do I hear them praising God in my native tongue when they're from Galilee. They don't know my language. What is going on? They were perplexed. And then others were like, they're toasted. 
They're toasted. Now, Peter says this. Peter gets up. Verses chapter 2, 14 through 18 of Acts. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only the third hour, which is 9 a.m., it's only the third hour of the day, but this is what uttered through the prophet Joel. So he's bringing up Joel 800 years before. He says, remember that promise? God will always fulfill his promises. And he says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even all my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So he's saying, listen, everybody, God promised this. The Holy Spirit, he promised this. But guess what? The Jews are like, okay, he promised it. And God is pouring out his Holy Spirit on these Jews. And you think, you know, this is for us. You know, the God of Israel is our God. And so they start thinking, man, that's, that's awesome. That's for us. Not for the Jews. I mean, only for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. Well, mostly, all of us are probably Gentiles. So that would be bad news. So think about that. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the Jews. But amen and amen for Acts chapter 10, 34 through 48. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Amen and amen. This, God's word was not written in America. It was not written in Russellville. Even though this might be one of the promised lands. <laughs> it wasn't. But praise God for those words. It's every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38 of Acts chapter 10. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did in the country of the Jews and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed by God to judge of the living and the dead. To him all prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins 
through his name. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. That's us. The Holy Spirit came and was poured out on the Gentiles. And you know what? Those are the circumcision. That means those that were Jews were just like, I guess it's for everyone. It's for every nation. It's for every people that calls upon the name of the Lord. That's us. That's us. So we look and we're going to weave this through that God promised the Holy Spirit. He promised that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out. First on the Jews and then on the Gentiles. And every day since God continues to pour out his Holy Spirit and save people and set them apart. Like, if you're not a Christian and you're here or you're watching and you feel a stirring, well, guess what? The Holy Spirit is stirring you, drawing you to truth, drawing you and say, hey, come to me. Come to me. I will take away all your sin. I have the power to do so. I'm the creator of heaven and earth. I, I am going to be, I, I have a plan I want to pour out my Holy Spirit upon you. And now we transition to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because guess what? We need to know that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, now what do we do? Okay, so we got the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we got these tools. James says we need to get to work, so now what do we do? Saints, it's so encouraging what we do because guess what the holy spirit inside of you has given you a gift or gifts and you are going to love what god's going to do with you you're going to love all the good works that god is going to pour through you man you're just going to think i can't believe god is going to use me yes he's going to use you he's given you a gift he loves you, and he loves the lost. He loves them, loves them, loves them. He loves your neighbor. He loves people. And here's the thing, is that he wants us to use our gift to also love people, to share God's love. So saints, it's a beautiful thing. And I see some of the gifts already working in many of you. But I just want to be, I'm excited because I want you to see, okay, but listen, there's all these other gifts. Did you know you might have this gift? And I might push you and push you and say, hey, why don't you try this? Because maybe you have this gift. I will tell you, saints, the gift that I've been given, this, this, I, I get to proclaim God's word. I'm a proclaimer a preacher. I, I get to proclaim God's word. If someone came to, you, to me right now and they said, I, will, I, can, I have the power to give you Patrick Mahomes' talents, everything, and you would be the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're going to start you off at $25 million a year, eight-year guaranteed contract. There's, it's not even a choice. There would be no way I would be, want to do that. 
I would not be tempted with that. I don't want to do that. Like, this is what I want to do. So the gift that I've been given, man, I just love getting to serve you. I love getting to get up here and proclaim God's word because the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no pressure on me. The power of the Holy Spirit will, will use your gift to love other people. And guess what? It's a joy. It is an absolute joy. There wouldn't be, I would not be tempted at all to want to change. Okay, maybe instead of being a preacher, I'll be like, I'll be like Tim Tebow and then I'll, I will wear the John 3.16 and I'll do that thing. Hey, praise God for that and for, for what he did, but that's not what I would want to do. I want to proclaim God's word. And for you, the gift that God's given you, when you discover it and when you start to use it, you're going to think, oh, dude, I, wait, I, I get to use my gift today? Yes. Yes, you get to use God's gift. And some of you could get up and preach the same sermon because you say, hey, Rusty, I've been using my gift for all these years, and you're exactly right. It's amazing. I love doing it. I can't believe I'm going to do it. So the Lord is going to stir up this desire to start to use your gift. Okay? He's going to stir that up. And what you're going to start saying is, yes. Oh, Lord, you want me to do that with my gift? Yes. Oh, you're stirring me to do that? Yes. You just say yes, yes, yes. And God's just going to continue to use you and use you and use you. Next thing you know, there's so many good works that are just flowing out of you. And you think, this is amazing. I love being able to be used by God. So let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, here's the thing. We're already out of time. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read... Some of the passages that have to do with gifts, okay? Now, and then I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11, and then we'll wrap it up. But I want, I'm not going to explain each gift, but I want to whet your appetite with this. I want you to start thinking, wait, maybe that gift. What about that gift? How does that gift work? What about that gift? We're going to go through them in detail in the coming weeks. But first, I want to lay out the passages that have to do with spiritual gifts, okay? First, we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11. Let me read this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered 
by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let me continue to read because that's not a full synopsis of all the gifts. So we're going to grab other scriptures and bring them all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity, the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are, in, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Romans chapter 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. For as, the, as one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our servicing. The one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, saints, there are so many different gifts, and we're going to look at each one of those. We're going to look at each one of those. But know this, here's the whole picture as we wrap this up. You are the church you are the bride of christ the church is made up of saints which are called out ones you if you are a christian are called a saint in scripture when the saints come together that forms the church the bible says that when you were saved the holy spirit came inside of you and now has set you apart you have been born from above the Bible says this, you will produce good works. The Bible says that each one of you has been given at least one, sometime more, gifts, and they're to be used to edify the church. They're to be used to serve the church. So the gift that over here these people have are to serve this side. And the gifts that are on this side are to serve this side. And here are to serve there. It is you coming together using your gifts to serve. To serve. So that's what the church is. When you come in those doors, you think, okay, this is the gathering of the 
saints, the church, I've been given a gift. How am I going to use my gift? Well, some of you use your gift. You walk down the hallway. You go downstairs. You pass out donuts. Those are good people, huh? They pass, you know what I'm saying? Pass out the donuts. So you pass out the donuts. Gifts of helps. We talked about it. So you, you might have that gift of helping. You think, man, hey, whatever needs to be done, I will do it. So you're going to use your gift. Some of you walk down the hallway, and you go to the last classroom, and then you are teaching a lesson. You go down. You're changing diapers. Does anyone want to be in that? Some of you, praise God that you have that gift. Can, you know what I'm saying? All right, let's put that one aside. But you are using that gift to serve others. Now, guess what? You use that gift to serve someone else's child, and then that person can come in here and get fed. Do you see how, that, you see how it works? Everyone's going to use the gift. Now, I've been given a gift, so I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to use my gift. Some people have the gift of hospitality, so they're going to use theirs when you walk in the door. Some of you have the gift of that, you know what, I will shovel, I will shovel snow. Man, I love doing that. I, it's not a burden for me. I, I'm going to do that. Some of you think, hey, you know what, if there's any uh, hospital visits that need to be made, man, I want to do that. Tonight, I want you to come back because we're going to learn about the Missouri Baptist Children's Home, about, hey, how can we serve those that don't have parents? And maybe the Lord is stirring you. Maybe you're that person. You're going to come in and you're going to bring in, you're going to use your gift of hospitality to love a child for a time. Maybe for a short time, maybe for a long time. But guys, listen, we got to use our gifts. We want to use our gifts. Because I will tell you this. How's it working for you for the last X amount of years if you've never used your gift? Do you feel great about yourself? No. You feel like, what's life about? I don't, I don't, yes, you feel like that. You think, man, is there anything more? Yeah, there's something more. Because what's been happening is that you've been given tools, but you haven't been using your tools. They've just been sitting there. And consequently, you just don't feel that something's off. Well, the beautiful thing is saying, what we're going to do as we wrap this up, we're going to say, Lord, hey, please show me my gift and help me to say yes to everything you ask me to do. If, it, if you agree with that, say Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I just pray that you would show everybody, everybody watching, everybody in here what their gifts or gift is. And Lord, I pray that you would give us everything it takes to say yes in using those gifts. However you tell us, however you call us, however you speak to us. When you say, I want you to use your gift for this, Father, help us. Help us to say yes. Help us to say yes. Help us to figure it out. Help us to reorganize our lives, whatever it takes to be able to say yes, yes, yes. Lord, help us to live our lives wanting to please you in all that we do. Lord, you're so good and you're so merciful. Lord, you've showed us so much grace. And so, Father, I pray that you would just empower us to say yes with using our gifts for.
Well, that's all we have for our podcast today. If you would like more information about Russville Baptist Church and our ministries, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.russvillebaptistchurch.com, or you can find us on social media at Facebook and Instagram under Russville Baptist Church. Well, join us next time as Pastor Rusty continues his series in the book of 1 Corinthians. But until then, have a great week and God bless.